Welcome to the Mainly Eminem podcast in association with EPRO. This is episode three. So I am absolutely delighted to be joined by our first guest of the season. Uh, we have Lazarus, um, and at the moment he is in Las Vegas. So Lazarus, how are you? What up, though? That's that Detroit greeting right there, man. I'm doing well, man. I'm blessed. Um, how are you doing today? Doing very well. We're absolutely delighted that you've you've took your time out to join us. Um, we've been doing this for just over a year now as well, so um, um, we're looking forward to you know, find out a lot, a lot more about yourself as well. Um, so I, I just want to discuss sort of early beginnings. So you were you know, born in Detroit. You attended Wayne State University, where you received a is a bachelor degree in biological science. That's correct. Yep. And then briefly after that, um, you studied at Michigan State University uh, for human medicine. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I became a Spartan when I went to medical Spartan. school for sure. <laughs> so yeah, so that was by a, obviously the music side of things. What what year did um, you know the the sort of music side of things start to to take off so you know I, I was doing hip-hop i was just infatuated with, hip, with hip-hop like my whole life basically but in high school was when i really got super passionate about like i was just listening i was consumed by hip-hop and mm-hmm. song like wu-tang clan became a big part of me like i it consumed me like i was listening to hip-hop every single day you know to and from school and just talking about hip-hop at school so it was like um, when I was in high school, I met up with, you know, my friends and we would, you know, talk, discuss hip hop and what's coming out. I remember it was, it was around that time where it's just like we would have conversations about, you know, who the best rappers were and and just hip hop became a big part of our like everyday dialogue. One day I was in the basement of my friend's house. Uh, his name is Ben. And we were um, just we started randomly throwing instrumentals on for no reason. And they started rapping mm-hmm. on those instrumentals. And I'm like. What y'all think y'all rappers now? <laughs> you know, and it was one of those conversations and we started we started laughing and, and making fun of each other. They're like, and then they told me, they're like, hey, um, they call me Cameron. They're like, yo, Cameron, you gotta do you gotta say something now. You gotta write a rhyme. So I was like, Man, I can't rap. What are you talking about? And then I just I remember that day I was learning something about biology. So I just started putting some biological terms together and I started rapping. And it just became a thing. We just started doing it like every weekend. We just started rapping and it built from there. Then when I went to college at Wayne State University, um, you know, that's downtown Detroit. And you have the hip hop, you know, movement and culture was growing so rapidly. and You could see it, feel it there. And when I was downtown, there would be ciphers everywhere. So outside of like the classrooms, there'd be circles of people rapping. I had begun my thirst for hip hop already. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to dabble into this and start, you know, going into these ciphers and trying some stuff. It just built like that. And I started rapping and, you know, the, the radio stations would come to the campus because that's mm-hmm. where, um, you know, the radio stations were close by. So they would come by and start looking at some of the rap talent. And I remember one day, 95.5 was a big radio station in Detroit. And they were like, yo, we want to invite a couple of you guys to the radio station to battle. And I was one of the guys they picked. And when I, mm-hmm. and I was like, I was like, wow, I'm going to be able to 
battle rap their radio station. So I started battle ra- battle rapping on their radio station and won their championship on there. And then from that point onward is when I really started noticing a shift in my uh, my life in terms of, you know, I was kind of always been like a loner. Like I never really had like a large circle of friends. I've never been that type yeah. of person. But ever since I started rap- battle rapping and doing stuff on the radio stations, it's like the whole campus started to learn about who I was. So I just instantly started feeling like, wow, everybody knows about me. So yeah. it, it added to my character and I started building from that. People started coming up to me saying, yo, let's work on music. I'm going to get you for free in my studio. Let's start recording. And then I just started putting mixtapes and I'm just like mixtapes, slang and mixtapes and going to school and going to my classes at the same time. That was kind of the birth. Wow. So yeah, you mentioned uh, 95.5. Uh, was there another station, 105.9? Were they, were they sort of similar as well? Yeah, 97.9. There was 105.9. There was 95.5. There was a slew of radio stations, and as I started making buzz on one radio station, I started sliding to other ones. And not only that, there was so many venues. There was the Lush Lounge. There was the Magic Stick. There was the Shelter. A lot of those different places. And we're talking right now early 2000s. So yeah. I would I would start going and battle rapping anywhere, and that's where I met Proof. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where I met Swifty. That's where I met all, these, uh, all the guys from D12. Because they were taking off. It was like D12 was really really blowing up you know and 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 they would be going around all different places of the world but they still come down and they still show support to the uh up-and-coming talent of detroit and i remember specifically swifty judging a bunch of my battles like he'd be the judge and i'm like oh swift is he's the judge for uh, your battle tonight i was like oh dope and then sometimes it would be proof um and then i think caniva was judge at one point so it's like that's how i came to uh build a relationship with the d12 members yeah and then uh, am i right in saying uh, you opened for, for d12 yeah so there was a um venue they had at the state theater where i opened up for um d12 i also opened up for for g unit uh yeah. at the joe lewis arena so what what year was that roughly 2003 4 5 it was like yeah i think it was either 2000 probably 2004 yeah, that's brilliant. And then, you know, a c- couple of years uh, after that, around about 2007 or, or before that, you're recording your, your debut album, uh, Chapter One, The Prince Who Would Be King. Uh, yes. So the, there was about, what, 18 tracks roughly on that album and a feature from yes. Royce? Yes. Sort of the same, is that how you met him through the sort of same channels? So basically, um, there was an engineer, uh, his name is Ivy Duncan. So as I was building my buzz around the city, um, he was like a very well-renowned engineer and producer. So he came to find out about my work and he was like, yo, Lazarus, I really want to work with you. So he brought me to his studios called the Mix Factory Studio in Detroit. So mm. I started recording. I actually recorded um, my debut album there. Ivy Duncan was simultaneously engineering Royce. So he actually did most of all of Royce's early works as well. Right, so at okay. that time, he was full-time doing all of Royce, Royce the Five Nine's music. So that's where I met Royce the Five Nine. Mm-hmm. And I wow. remember, I remember being in the studio and just learning from him. And I remember like when I first met Royce, I was just like, wow, like, you know, there was so much stuff I could learn from him. And, um, you know, he, he's been a mentor ever since, ever since that time. And, you know, he always called me the bumblebee in the studio. He's like, Lazarus is, he's the guy in the studio that he doesn't want to stop working. Once he's in the studio, he doesn't, he doesn't sit down for a second. He's always working. <laughs> So, yeah, so two, 2007, and was that the first time um, that you collaborated with Royce? I know you've done it um, a few few times since, but was that the, the first uh, track yeah, that you did together? The first track I did with Royce was Born to Die. That was on my debut album. Yep, that was the first track. But up until then, we 
we've seen each other in the studio and you know been spitting freestyles i always spit freestyles to him every single time i seen royce i'd be like uh yeah royce what's good man yeah yo royce you know i got another flow for you bro so he's like all right let's let's hear it so i'd always give him a new flow every time i saw him uh, that album um led to three nominations as well at the the 2007 yep. detroit hip-hop awards yeah, so the Detroit, um, there was the Detroit Hip Hop Awards um, that took place in Detroit at that time. Uh, I'm not sure that they take place anymore, but at that time it was a big thing. And so, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I had nominations for like Lyricist of the Year, Album of the Year and all, all types of stuff. I performed out there. And then even around that time, you know, I saw Bazaar and King Gordy and all, all those guys a lot, too. So the Detroit scene was very tight knit. It's a very tight knit mm -hmm. circle of MCs. You know, it's an incredible amount of support that these MCs give each other. You know, there's a lot of talk about Detroit MCs not really vibing with each other and, and there being that, that yeah. sort of disjointed nature to it. But I know that once you start really earning your stripes and getting in there, like, they really start showing respect to you. And um, I always felt the brotherhood with the Detroit hip-hop scene. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's fascinating. That's, that's a really good good sort of story for that the, the second album if i'm right in saying was uh that, that came out maybe three years later 2010 lazarus story yeah so that was the it was technically a mixtape but it was like an album because it was all like uh there was a lot of original beats on there and everything like that but it was actually technically a mixtape and that was where i started venturing into like more of like a bilingual like i started rapping more in like you know a pakistani language and trying different things like that which really built into a whole different genre of music that really catapulted later on, and we can talk about that later. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. So the, the roundabout, the lead single from that would have been is it Dr Drug of Choice? Yeah. So Drug of Choice was a record um, where I featured, you know, a, a legendary Pakistani singer that was featured on that. And then I did an English verse, and I did a verse that I tried for the first time in, in the Urdu language. Wow. Brilliant. And then uh, a couple years later, in 2013, you signed uh, a deal with Russell Simmons, All Def, All Def Digital, would that be right and saying? So as you know, I was doing um, medicine at the same time. So there was a lot of times in my career where I'm like, I got to give up rap or I got to give up medicine. Mm -hmm. So I went to medical residency and I, I graduated from there in 2013. But I, while I was in residency, I was just questioning, like, where am I going to go with my hip hop? In 2013, Russell Simmons sits in a committee called the Foundation for Ethnic Understanding. One of the members of his board had come in contact with me and mentioned to me that he's a big fan of my work. He saw one of my videos or a couple of my videos on YouTube. And he said, hey, I showed your stuff to Russell Simmons and um, he would love to have you come out to this event at his private home in Manhattan to perform. Wow. And I was like, <clears throat> I couldn't believe it at first. I was like, what? At Russell Simmons' house to perform for real? And, um, so he wanted me to perform about just kind of like unity amongst races and ethnicities. And I was like, yeah, that's just a, a right up my alley. So mm -hmm. I went up there. I performed that in March of 2013. And um, Russell Simmons, and that video is on YouTube. So Russell Simmons stood up, gave me a standing ovation. He put me on his YouTube channel, All Dev Digital. He said, let's start producing content for you yeah. on All Dev Digital. So I was like, you know, that's great. That's fantastic. Then I reached back home. I went back home to Detroit. The first record that I actually had released from uh, their channel was Open Heart Surgery with Bazaar. That was also nominated for Song of the Year at the yeah. Underground Music yeah, Awards. Yeah, that one. That, it won Yeah, so it did. Yeah. How did you feel about that? Were you, were you at the, the show at the time? 
Yeah, it was a big event because uh, Joyner Lucas was also nominated at that time. And this is before Joyner Lucas became as big as he became later. Mm -hmm. But like uh, Joyner Lucas was nominated and there's like quite uh, other notable MCs. So it was definitely um, a fantastic uh, moment to get that award. I remember being on stage with the award in my hand. It just felt uh, felt amazing, wow. you know, and for, and for the works. And, and Bazaar was super proud of me. Mm -hmm. Like the whole D12 was super proud of me because now they're seeing my, you got to understand from their point of view, they're seeing me. They saw me as the young battle rapper who they used to judge and used to battle battle rap people. And now they're seeing me with Russell Simmons <laughs> and now I'm climbing and bringing, uh, you know, a whole new, whole new light to my career. Um, so they, their continued support just meant so much to me. And then, you know, me and, uh, Swift and Caniva dropped a record called lay the law down. Yeah, that's right. That was in 2014 when we dropped that record. And uh, it was very well received. Yeah, the 2015 was uh, Underdog featuring Royce the Five Nine as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so then at that time it was only natural because I had just dropped the record with Bazaar, the open heart surgery. So then, uh, you know, I was talking to Royce. He was so he was super proud of me. He's like, you know, you did this thing with All Def Digital, and I'm like, yeah, listen, I'm doing another project on Russell Simmons' channel, and I would love to do a record with you. So we were just trying to think of what kind of record we would want to make. We were thinking of different concepts and, and we were just like, you know what? Let's just go into the boxing gym. Cause that's me and Royce always talk about boxing. Yeah. That was one of the, that we always discuss with each other. So we're like, why don't we go to the boxing gym in Detroit and just shoot a video there and we just go off lyrically and call it underdog. So that's where that came from. And, and that was another just super dope record that we did. And that also came out on Russell Simmons' channel. Wow. And then that led to maybe a, a little while later, um, you opened up for Ludacris in dallas would that be right yeah so so the story about that is um so that was right around the time i've always been such a like d12 is such a big played such a big part in my life and at that time d12 were coming back together to do the devil's night mixtape yeah and that was in 2015 so at that time i remember bizarre calling me and he was like yo so we're working on this big project we got gordy on there we got royce on there we definitely need to get a verse from you on there and I just felt so honored because, uh, you know, that was a, it's just a heavily promoted project. So it was just uh, super dope to be a part of that. So I remember them sending me the track, which was raw as it gets. And I was just, I just like, yo, I gotta, I gotta kill this. So I just went in the studio, knocked that out. They needed the verse in like less than a day. So I literally like, I called my engineer. I'm like, yo, I gotta get this verse done. Engineer was booked. I was like, no, you got to make some time. You got to make some space. I got to get this verse done. So he's like, all right, cool. So I just went super late to the studio, knocked it out, sent it in. Um, and that was close to the release time of the mixtape. Mm -hmm. And so I went to the Ludacris show. I opened up for Ludacris. Uh, I think it was like the day the mixtape came out. Yeah. It was like October 30th or something. So I remember opening up for Ludacris. And I remember at that time, I was at the Ludacris show. When uh, I think it was Swifty or one of the guys called me and they're like, the mixtape just came out, but it's going to be uh, re-released in a few hours. Yeah. I'm like, what you mean it's going to get re-released? <laughs> they're like, yeah, they're like, M dropped a verse. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I was like, I was, I was bugging. I was like, what? <laughs> and so uh, it was taken down and then it was re-released and they called it Reloaded and then had the, uh, the entire Eminem intro on there. That's right. So uh, that was the first time. Um, that I'd heard, heard of you, like, around about 2015, uh, was, was when that mm -hmm. mixtape came out, and I was like, okay, that's, that's, and there was a yeah. lot, there's quite a few artists on that album as well, so, yeah, that was, that must have been big for you as well, like, to, to get, to be on that same yeah. project as, as Eminem as well. Yeah, because uh, cause it was on the Shady Records page, it was on Eminem's uh, own page, 
everybody was listening to that mixtape and to be featured on there. Not only that, they only shot a couple videos off that mixtape. And one of the videos that was shot for the mixtape was uh, the Raws Against. Yeah, that's right. And we filmed that over in Hamtramck, over by Detroit at the skateboard park. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. That is absolutely fascinating. Now, I want to ask you a couple of questions about, you know, you, you already mentioned Wu-Tang. Um, earlier on, yeah. I take it they were obviously one of your your favorite groups uh, growing up. Who who else was like sort of favorite artists? You know, I listened to a lot of Nas. You know, I listened to Mob Deep. Went back. I listened to a lot of Public Enemy, Run DMC, different all different like generations and eras of rap. And obviously, and it was at the time when I was starting to really get into my hip hop. So I was D12 and the Detroit MCs had such a big impact on everything that I did as well. But Wu Tang, I would say like. If there was one for one group of MCs where the reason that I actually took the pen forward and actually started rapping, I would definitely give the credit to Wu-Tang. Yeah. And do you see, like, your own music, do you see inspirations, like, in your music from from the likes of, of Wu-Tang, Public Enemy? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that really inspired me so much about Wu-Tang was, you know, a lot of the rap that was mainstream or popular in, the, in a popular sphere was, um, you know, it was like gangster rap. But me being somebody who was growing into science and education, and when I started hearing Socrates' philosophies and all these kind of words coming out mm -hmm. in hip-hop, Inspector Deck, the Jizza, they were throwing a lot of technical words out, vocabulary. So yeah. when I started hearing that, I was like, this is like truly elevating my mind right now, hearing this music and inspiring my brain, it's inspiring my intellect. And that was the type of thing that I really loved about Wu-Tang is, and it wasn't just something that was in the underground, like something that like, if you really search and seek for this music, you'll find it. It was actually on the radio, like it was on the MTV, uh, it was playing Triumph, you know? So that was definitely inspirational to me because I'm like, I would love to make rap with this level of technicality. And you, you've been, you you either have or you're about to support Wu-Tang and Nas as well with that, yep. right and saying, yeah, tell us a little bit about that, how, how that came about. Things going 180 degrees is just the biggest mind-boggling thing I could imagine. It's just that in 2018 is when it was. I remember Ghostface Killer's cousin, uh, who I met up in Las Vegas. Uh, he's uh, Rizza and Ghostface's cousin, Divine Seven Eye. Like me and him linked up at the barbershop, and we just started having conversation about hip hop. And one thing led to another. But I had released my song Godflow, a video yep. for that. Um, Divine had played that to Ghostface. And after he played it to Ghostface Killer, Ghostface Killer was doing a show out here in Vegas and he wanted to meet up. So that's how I met Ghostface. And once I met up with him, it was just like the chemistry was just just lit up. And uh, it was like, all right, cool. Well, Ghostface got these shows. We're going to have Lazarus perform on those shows, open up on those shows. So I started going on tour with Ghostface. Wow. So we did a whole bunch of shows with him. And then they were so successful that we ended up transitioning to the Wu-Tang Clan shows. I remember the first show I did was in Washington, D.C. at the Anthem, which is a huge venue out there. And I remember going over there and performing in front of like, I don't know, it was like 10,000 or so people. And that was the first time, like I had performed in front of a large amount of people before, like the Ludacris show was big. And there was a few other shows that I did that were quite big. But just to see that many fans there for just super lyrical hip hop, it was just kind of putting me to the test. And everybody was watching me. They were like, we want to see how he does in front mm -hmm. of this big of a crowd. And we rocked the crowd. I have the picture from that particular show. And then they were like, okay, so Rizza and a show manager for the Wu-Tang, they're like, all right, what are you doing tomorrow? Let's take you to Boston. I was like, wow. <laughs> it's like, okay. I call my work. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be off for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on, I'm on too. <laughs> 
Yeah, so I went to Boston, and that was another successful show. And then two weeks, I think two or three weeks later, was the Australia-New Zealand tour. They're like, Lazarus is coming on the Australia-New Zealand tour. And then I was like, before I knew it, I was in Australia, I was in New Zealand. We're at the um, Sydney Opera House, which is a beautiful yeah, place. Yeah, I've been there myself, really nice. And I remember just riding in the car with RZA. And RZA's playing me beats and playing me music and unreleased things of his. And I'm just like, yo, this is the music that made me start rapping. And here I am. I'm, in, I'm driving around with RZA. With them, yeah. And we're, I'm like stage with my favorite rappers. And then as time progressed, then I started doing more shows. And then I started doing the whole UK tour with them. Then I started doing the whole USA tour with them. And then this just brought a lot of light back to me as well. And then just being able to, you know, represent for Detroit everywhere I went. Mm -hmm. And then again, everybody's so proud of me, like Royce, D12, and all the all the guys, you know, just super proud. And then at that time, I, I remember I was also working on soundtrack work for Swifty on uh, The Devil's Night, Dawn of the Nain Rouge, which is a movie he was working on with uh, Eminem's brother, Nate. Mm. So that was a project that I got involved in as well. And then that just progressed. And, you know, we started working on that project. I remember when I was in Detroit with the whole Wu-Tang, I opened up for Wu-Tang in the Detroit show. I actually had Obi Trice. Swifty and uh, Nathan on stage with me. They came out there to support me. That's fantastic. Um, in, in the era of Detroit, did you go to the hip hop shop? Was that that was before my time? Yeah, because that was sort of that was the nineties when you know obviously Eminem, Proof, and all the members of D Twelve um, were sort of right. participating. But did you do um, appear at rap battles in Detroit as well? So it was like Shelter, St Andrews, uh, the Magic Stick, Alvin's lush lounge so there was different areas where they still carried out those type of battles most definitely i was a part of that and then uh oh and then um uh, one of the big ones that came out while i was on tour with wu-tang was the leatherface joint that bazaar featured me on is that with hot option yeah yeah that was a crazy one it was after um kamikaze came out <laughs> and you know the record fall oh, where uh, yeah. where m mentions hobson on the song so Bazaar wanted to make that collab happen. He wanted to bridge uh, Hobson and M on the same record. So Leatherface was originally to feature um, M's verse on there. Could you imagine that? Fucking hell, that would have been insane. So did how did how did you get in contact with Hobson? Was that through Bazaar or how did Bazaar get? It was through Bazaar. Um, I'm not exactly sure how they developed their relationship, but mm -hmm. they developed the relationship, and Hobson actually produced that song. I don't think a lot of people know that, but that song, Leatherface, was... He's very underrated uh, as a producer as well. Like, oh, incredibly. A lot, incredibly a lot of his stuff, you know, especially over the, the past four or five years, has been has been really good. And, and you, can, you can hear like the, the Eminem resemblance in his lyrics as yeah. well. Yeah. Yes, that's that sort of same style. Um, but no, that's so you've worked. I mean, you've worked with the likes of you know Swifty, Caniva, Bizarre, Royce, Crooked Eye. Ghostface Killer. Did you do did you do a track with Redman as well? Yes, yes, I did. So this was during the COVID time. That's kind of fast forwarding a little bit more, but uh COVID opened up a lot of doors. I mean, it was it closed a lot of doors, literally closed <laughs> a lot of doors, but it opened up a lot of doors too, if that makes sense. I'm practicing as a full-time doctor, yeah, uh, physician. So being COVID time, everything shuts down, tours end. I was supposed to continue doing a Wu-Tang tour. That all shuts down. Um, I remember the last show I did before COVID was in Detroit with Jizza. No, I think I did another one in New York. But everything shuts down. Chuck D has been a huge mentor of mine ever since the Russell Simmons event that took place. So Chuck D's 
you know, looking at like, okay, well, what's going to happen with the music industry now that mm-hmm. COVID's here? Yeah. Vlad reached out. That was the first time I got in touch with uh, DJ Vlad. He reached out during COVID and he's like, you're a doctor on the front lines and you rap. So we got to bring you to the show. I started doing interviews with Vlad. And before I knew it, I'm doing lives with LL Cool J. I'm talking to Ice-T. Redman's getting in touch with me. Rizza's asking for medical advice. I was the go-to guy yeah. for any questions related to COVID because what can we really trust in the media? There was a lot of information out there. And I was trying to use my personal experiences, creating a platform to speak about what I saw and what was really going on. Mm-hmm. I take it, would you have been working through, through that time when the hospitals were obviously up to? Yeah. So I was working every day. Um, I think it was to the point where even my colleagues were getting sick and taking time off, but I was overworking myself. I was working pretty nonstop. You know, every day, even despite all the deaths I saw, I saw a lot of people die. Mm. It was a dark time. It was a strange time, very strange time. But, you know, thankfully we've came out of that. But definitely, you know, the last couple of years, you've, you've certainly been making moves, especially especially in the music industry. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about the freestyle on Shade 45. That was... Yeah, that freestyle was just, when you go on a platform like that, you just got to let the beast out. And um, that was just one of those. I got on there. Um, it was yeah. Lord Sears show. So he invited me over there to Shade 45. And, uh, you know, I came on there. And that was actually while I was touring Mm -hmm. with Wu-Tang in the midst of the tour. So I had a lot of energy. I learned so much from the Wu-Tang being with them in person and freestyling with them that it just, it became like so natural for me to just then do something like that. I'm excited to go back up there. I love the the opening of that. Like, I'm obviously paraphrasing a a little bit, but it was the ruler, (laughs) the real, the mumble rapper eater or, or something. To a degree, I was like, that's <laughs> yeah. phenomenal. Yep. Um, but no, that that was... Yeah, I'm not a fan of mumble rap. I, I make it very clear. <laughs> Even anyone that's listened to, yeah, Eminem's <laughs> Kamikaze as well <laughs> says that he's not a fan of it either. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, w- I want to talk about the the collaboration um, that you did with, with NASA. So if I'm right in saying that it oh, was yeah. your single... Pale Blue Dot Boys. Yeah, Pale Blue Dot. Um, so h- how did that collaboration come about with NASA and then, you know, that, that track getting getting put up at the International Space Station? Yeah, I feel like, you know, such a domino effect, the way things fall. And during the COVID time, I remember there was an event, a clubhouse event that I was a, a speaker at where I was talking about a lot of the catastrophes taking place and the deaths taking place with COVID and just uh, some of the precautionary things that we can do. I didn't realize it at the time, but there was just a lot of very big, important people that were listening, that were in the crowd. So after that event in the clubhouse, one of the people that reached out to me was associated with NASA. And he's like, I wanted to introduce you to um, Jim Green, the chief of NASA. I was just, I just thought that that was just so bizarre. You know, so crazy. Like the chief of NASA, like what is this for real? And so then uh, before I knew it, I connected with a scientist over there, uh, Tara Rutley. And then I, I got on the phone with, with Jim Green and had a meeting in D.C. at NASA headquarters with uh, Jim Green. And they were just really happy to see the way that I'm able to incorporate education with my background as a physician into the music industry. And one of the thoughts, the uh, conversation pieces that took place was, hey, what about getting a song about space? you know, like a a hip hop song about space and we can launch it from the international space station. So that conversation happened maybe a year before the song came out. And I was just kind of, (laughs) that conversation blew my mind because I was like, what is is that? When I read about it, like when it happened, I was like, that is some, that is amazing. But it's also, I'm like, how did that happen? Like, 
<laughs> so you recorded the track and then what you gave it to NASA and then they sent it up and then they sort of blasted yeah. it out of the rocket sort of thing. So the thing about that song is first I was trying to figure out how do I make a song mm. about space? Because one thing I never want to do in anything I release, I don't want anything to sound forced or something not to sound organic, something not to sound like it's coming from within. So I had to first figure out how I would create a song that makes sense to me and not just be like, you know, like a corny song, yeah. like, hey, I'm going to space or something, something, something really it. cheesy. I wanted it to be powerful, impactful. And one of the things that conversations when I had with uh, Jim Green was like, hey, look, I'm going to do the song about hip hop. I don't want to just do this on my own. I want to get some research about this. So I inquired about like, what is it? What is the launch process? What does it take? When I was learning about how scary that process is, how much fear goes into the actual, the mind of an astronaut that's launching out yeah. into space. I was like, I want to capture that. You know, I want to capture that feeling. I want to capture the moment that somebody's actually launching into space and worried about losing his life in the process because many have. So that was one part of it. And it's just the technicality and demonstrating exactly what stuff needs to happen. So it doesn't sound like I'm rapping from zero position. Like I actually did my research going into it. Then rapping about what you see when you get out there and how different it might be from what you would expect. And then what things you can learn from space, you know, and I really wanted to put my all into it. And the song was then loaded onto a cube that was then launched into space with right. an astronaut. And he's and it was played by him on the space station. That um, video is pinned to your Instagram page as well. So anyone listening um, that wants to, to yeah. see it actually unfold, um, follow Lazarus on Instagram and you'll, and you'll be able to, to see it. Was that your official first single for your up-and-coming album or where's that going to go that single it might be a standalone i don't know if it's going to be on the album or not it might be a standalone project for what it was it's been inducted into the uh, library right, yeah. music congress that in dc so else. there's a lot of like super dope accolades that go with it and it is the first song and most definitely the first hip-hop song to play from outer space so we got we definitely got that accolade but most importantly to me is it's the art like i just feel like it's a mm -hmm. piece of art that's out there for people to listen to and you know hopefully appreciate but the first single from my solo album is actually going to be um upcoming track that i have produced by um, mr porter that's getting ready to come out and that song is just you know something i think is super special for hip-hop fans few people have heard it so far and i remember particularly my favorite mc was the jizza from the wu-tang clan jizza heard the song and he told me that he was blown away by it so I was like, okay, my favorite rapper saying that. That's, nice. uh, that's pretty exciting. So the, the album is called um, From Detroit to Antop Hill? No. So this is a separate project from that. So that project is a collaborative project that I'm doing with the biggest artist, the biggest hip-hop artist today in India. His name is Emiway Bantai. So he and I are doing it. We did a song together that came yeah. out last year called Lobotomy. That was very, it was a big hit. It was successful overseas in that market. He raps in the Hindi language. I rap in English. So it's a, you know, unique blend uh, of East and West. And so we got a whole collaborative album that we uh, are getting ready right. to release this year, fourth quarter, uh, which is called Detroit Antifil. So you've got, so is that two future projects dropping pretty soon then? Yeah. So um, my solo album more than likely be pushed into the first quarter area of 2024, but this collab project is right. uh, fourth quarter of this year so it's coming up so it's on its way and it's got features from the d12 guys from royce and um you know it's the, the whole squad is up on that this. is really good I'm, I'm, a few of us have been you know talking about that we can't wait for for this album to come out and uh, the, the lead single 
with Mr. Porter. Will that be released this year at some point? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, people hopefully will be getting their hands on that mm-hmm. this fourth quarter as well. So, yeah, I'm super excited, man. It's just a lot of cool projects that's being uh, cooked up right now. I, my thing is I want to make sure that Detroit is consistently and constantly um, represented, you yeah. know, being showcased and embraced around different areas of the world. Um, I noticed you were with uh, Jeff Bass and Chester Bennington's son. Yes. So I'm, I'm also working with and mentoring uh, Chester Bennington's son. So this is uh, something that just kind of came out of nowhere, but. I uh, I linked up with uh, mm-hmm. Samantha Bennington, which is uh, Chester's ex-wife and uh, son, Draven Bennington, and was checking out his music. I was invited to um, Jeff Bass's studio, and we were going through his work. Yeah. Uh, we want to work with him, mentor him, uh, build with him. I'm actually going to be going back to Detroit next month to work on some stuff with him as well. And then it was just super dope catching up with Jeff Bass. Oh, he's, he's a legend, you know, the, the production that he's done. Um, you know, from the Slim Shade LP to the Marshall Manners LP, it's it's insane. Like when we we've done a show, we were doing a show a couple of months back, and you know we're talking like we hope that the you know the Bass Brothers come back to to produce some more hits for Eminem because you know that 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 era was was unbelievable. That would be amazing. Um, so final question, sort of regarding your, your, yourself, um, do you have a, a title yet for um, your, your up and coming album, or is it a so it's not finalised yet. No, that'll be good. I'm looking forward to, to hearing some of the music later on this year. Um, so we have, um, I've got my, my two co-hosts, Blake and Ross, um, who are joining us as well. And um, yeah, Ross, if you've got, both of you have any questions that you would like to, to ask Lazarus? Oh uh, yeah. So basically, I heard you sort of mention earlier that you had toured previously in the UK. I mean, is there any artists that you that are currently from the UK that you follow at the minute, or is it sort of? I imagine it's quite hard keeping up with the amount of artists that are in the US alone, to be honest. So, in the UK, there's an artist by the name of Low Key that I think is is really cool. You know, he's he's very uh, he's very thought provoking artist. But I know the scene over there, that the grime scene and everything. People are always trying to put me up on that, and it's just a very unique kind of world in and of itself. It's very different compared to what what's going on in the US at the moment. I think, obviously. You've had like a Travis Scott drop Utopia like recently, I think. I was just going to mention to you, obviously mm-hmm. we did a little talking about Utopia sort of last week. It's very different sort of music to what comes out of Detroit. So I wanted to sort of get your take on what you think. Where do you think the music sort of industry is going at the minute? Got you. And I know Drake is quite heavily involved in that stuff. I've I seen he recently did like a freestyle with, with did, the artist. Yeah, with Central okay. C, yeah. Um, Blake, do you have any questions? Uh, yeah, so uh, obviously, well, I just want to start by saying it is an absolute pleasure to be talking to you. Um, jumping down the rabbit hole, which your music has been unreal for me. Like it has been such. I appreciate experience. that, man. My well, one of my questions is um, obviously you've accomplished quite a lot, you know, since you started your music and obviously up to present day now. Uh, you know, like with the artists you've worked with, X, Y, and Z. So, is there anything which you would like to still accomplish or? You know, like, is there, is, have you got that big goal which you'd still like to sort of hit? I think the big goal I want to hit is to continue to make impact in hip-hop and be able to continue making songs like the way that Pale Blue Dot was able to take hip-hop into the astronomy realm. Like, I want to be able to take hip-hop and lyricism into different areas where people would not expect it to go and start really like that's kind of a niche that i really want to hit and start making an impact with is to start talking about important subjects important topics 
using hip hop as a vehicle to do that. And even teaching seminars and classes. One thing that I do is I'll take medicine, medical concepts and topics and figure out ways to give lectures to people in classrooms, teach using the art of rhyme. I want to make that more of a popular thing. So that's definitely a big goal of mine. Obviously, there's still some artists out there that I can't wait to collaborate with. Obviously, one of them would be Eminem. I think that's the dream collaboration that, you know, I can't wait. It's happening. It's definitely happening. And then the two of you are coming on here to discuss it. That would be a day people will never forget. So I want to ask um, your top five. I mean, this is a a question that is always hard for people to answer. But um, at this moment in time, if you were to have a, a top five, you know, either artists or group, um, who would who would be who would occupy that? Um, so my top five, and it's hard for me to just put them all in a sequence, but like right now, I think that Eminem and Nas, you know, are undeniably at the top of. They have to be at the top of the list because they just hold the most relevancy and longevity, longevity in hip hop. Yes, you same. can't go that many years like it's artists and you know while you know i love you know the kendricks and the coles and stuff but when you zoom out and look at the longevity factor and the amount of impact and influence like those two to me are unbelievable the way that they've been able to have the longevity from the time that they started when they came out in the scene till now to maintain relevancy it's just beautiful because every time my m verse comes out or anytime a nas album or verse comes out these guys are still talking about what's happening in 2023. Yeah. It's not, they're not stuck in their old generation. Like, for example, Melly Mel, <laughs> like he just came out with that record and it sounds like he's still stuck in an old time zone. The ability to adjust and adapt into the modern day and still maintain your technical abilities, those two MCs definitely are at the top of the list. And then, you know, the artist, my personal favorite that got me to write and rap is the Jizza from the Wu-Tang Clan. For me to have actually per- firsthand experience now in touring with him personally on his own tours and touring with the Wu-Tang and then to have him as a personal mentor giving me advice and things like that on my music, that's just beyond imagination yeah. for me. Tupac and Biggie, you know, forever legends. You can't ever take anything away from that. I mean, those two guys are still, they've passed away since the 90s and people still play their albums just as much as they play pe- the new artists' albums, which is unbelievable. The streaming numbers online is still ridiculous. I'll put on like music from, from like uh, Kendrick, Drake, or these guys, and then I'm like, yo, let me put Tupac yeah. back on. And he hasn't been making music <laughs> in decades, you know? So it's like the ability to do that and still feel like that music, like I'll put on All Eyes on Me, and I, I'll still feel like it's a song that came out within oh, the last timeless. couple of years. Like, like, I still listen to it with that, that fresh. All Eyes On Me, yeah. like, it's, it's timeless. It's just a timeless album. It's, it's just one of my favourites as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, that's a, that is a strong list. I can't, I can't argue with that whatsoever. Um, I just want to ask um, if you'd listened to uh, Easy Mill and Eminem's recent collaboration, Realist, um, and, and if so, what, yeah. what did you think of, yeah. of it? Yeah, man, I thought it was phenomenal. Great new talent with Easy Mail. He's actually, he lives out here in Las Vegas. That's right, where I'm yeah, at. that's right. He's a dope uh, young artist. I like his ability to be multilingual. I think that's very important going forward with MCs to oh, be yeah. able to do that type of thing. And then also like to be able to have, you know, the vocalizations, the singing. It's always cool to like mix all these different elements together in your vocals. And that's something he definitely got. So great young talent. Um, obviously, Eminem just destroyed that track. I mean, it was, just, and I think it was after a long time we heard a verse from him. So him yeah. coming out and um and just addressing, yeah. I love how we just 
he addresses the haters. No matter, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, he's not going to say something about this or he's not going to say something about that. But, you know, it's all going to get addressed. And that's something I love. But, um, no, that was it was a good... He's been away, probably not dropped a verse for maybe just over a year. So, no, it was, it was good to hear him uh, back. And then, yeah, fingers crossed that he's, oh, yeah. he's going to be uh, coming back uh, in the future with some more stuff. Um, we've just got one more question, uh, if possible, Lazarus, for uh, from Blake again, uh, if that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah, so... Earlier you mentioned, obviously, uh, when you were going up for your award, you know, Joyner Lucas was there. And obviously, I, I've become over the last, well, ever since I'm not racist, a huge fan of Joyner Lucas. Obviously, it's nice seeing him come up, you know, getting the flowers that he actually starts deserving. Uh, but obviously, the main root of the question is, obviously, seeing artists like him come up now, you know, what's that like, obviously, for you? Obviously, seeing people like that, which you started your career near mm-hmm. on at the same time, mm-hmm. coming up and now getting their flowers. And obviously... You know, what What would you say is the biggest comparison, you know, in how music is now done? Obviously, art is coming up now compared to when you had to come up. Like, would you right. say there's much of a difference or? Big, huge difference. I'm a big fan of his work, by the way. Like, I love his creativity. He just dropped another song. I forget what it's called, but the one where, um, what's the song where he's sitting at the, they're all sitting at the table. The guy is like trying to be his. He's trying to say that like I've always been there for you, but then he's like an underground hater. Is, is it bro, is it Broski? Or? Yeah, Broski, Broski. Yeah, that one. Songs that he does like I'm not racist to that, and I love what the they do with the videos where they'll have like an actor playing you know the other character, but it's all his lyrics that they're rapping. I'm not, if I'm not racist as well, that that's was clever. Very clever music video. Very clever. Um, no, I, I think it's amazing to see artists like him starting to get their flowers and recognition. I think the game is a completely different than what it used to be. It used to be all like you're signed to a record label and the record label, they have the ability to put you on platforms like MTV, the radio stations, etc. Whereas now because of social media, YouTube and stuff, I feel like a lot of the artists that are really making headway, they're just doing it on their own with their own audience, their own platforms. They don't necessarily need the major labels support anymore, how they uh, needed before. And Tech Nine, who's also uh, another friend of mine, you know, he always gives me advice on this matter too. Like he's, I think he's the biggest independent hip hop artist in the world, you know, preaching the same thing. Like you don't need the label. You could do this on your own. You just got to build your own empire, build your own team, you know, know how to market your own music. And that's something very new in this new generation of music. You have the abilities now to just really do this on your own and blow your music up and get it popular, get it out there and popping. It's just now the the disadvantage of it is just there's so much competition because everyone's doing this. So you're going to end up in a bigger sea of artists that you're competing with. Yeah. So that was Laz Army Records. How long has, has that been going for? Laz Army Records has been a thing since 2017. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm building it and I'm building my uh, record label. I signed a kid from Pakistan. So he's a 13 year old kid now. He's 11 when I signed him. Phenomenal talent. He raps in an Urdu language, building a huge buzz overseas. I want to be able to utilize my platform. And as it gets bigger over time, I want to be able to showcase talent from different areas of the world. The end of it all, like the underlying theme is to show that hip hop truly is something that brings people from all walks of life together. Yeah, well, you've been doing yeah, a phenomenal job recently. So just, yeah, keep keep doing what you're doing. Um, I'm looking forward to this album coming out later on uh, in the year and, and, and next year as well. And hopefully I want to see you back on Shade 45 as well. So that would be good to see. That would be phenomenal. So 
I uh, appreciate you guys, man. I, I see all the support you guys give me. Uh, really, truly, greatly appreciate you guys for that. No, thank, thank you very much. Let's for, keep pushing quality. For, for coming on. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll stay in contact and, you know, we'll, we'll try and have you on um, maybe later on in the year. Uh, and especially when the album drops as well, because we, we, we want to do a review. Um, of your album uh, when it drops so no, thank you very much Lazarus uh, for joining us on the Mainly Eminem podcast so that was episode 3 with Lazarus, uh, thanks to him for joining us from Las Vegas and thanks to you for tuning in, remember to subscribe to our show on your chosen platform and you'll be notified as soon as an episode drops you can also find us on TikTok Twitter and Instagram join us next week for another episode only on the Biggest Eminem podcast